This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of a strategic and steady storytelling. Here to speak with me is Lisette Paras, who is the president and founder of Gravitate PR, an award-winning public relations firm that transforms high-growth technology startups into category leaders. Lisette has extensive experience working with startups post-IPO and global multinational brands, both in in-house and at PR agencies. An Aussie expat, she started her career in Sydney and led APEC PR campaigns before moving to the Bay Area. Lisette was recognized by PR News for its Top Women in PR Award in 2022. Lisette, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Stefan. Now, Lisette, before we start talking about um, the importance of strategic and steady storytelling, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in your career and what led you to founding your own PR company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I am, as you mentioned, an Aussie expat, but I sound very American these days. So if there's anyone listening that is Australian, I apologize for not having the accent anymore. Um, but, you know, I started my career in Australia. Um, you know, I was I grew up there and, you know, I, I always loved stories when I was a kid. I was one of those kids that was always reading a book while I was walking, while I was you know, to school. You know, I'd always have a book next to me. And I always wanted I loved words. You know, I wanted to be a journalist, actually, when I when I was first uh, growing up and going to, to college. And um, I ended up um, my first job when I graduated was in public relations. Um, and, you know, what I really loved. It was in a technology PR firm and it's been my career ever since. Um, But what I ended up really loving about it was a chance to be exposed to so many new and emerging technologies. And, you know, it's kind of like digging through, um, you know, understanding how all the kind of pieces fit together, you know, and understanding who a company is, you know, why they exist, what are the benefits, what do they do, what makes them exciting and different. And technology has always been an industry that's rapidly evolving. There's always something, a new technology or innovation around the corner. And so because of that excitement I had in, you know, finding out about these various companies and getting them visibility and building up their brands and their reputation, um, you know, I did that for many years out of APAC um, across many markets in the, that mark, in that geography. And then about a decade ago, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, through that, I was exposed to even more exciting technologies with Silicon Valley being, you know, at our doorstep here and had a chance to work not just with a lot of global multinational tech companies, but also with some really exciting startups. I took a number of companies through their acquisition, took them through going public um, and as a result of all of those experiences, decided that there was an opportunity for me to bring all of that together and start my own agency. Uh, so I started Gravitate PR um, about six years ago and, yeah, haven't looked back since then and, you know, continue to work with a variety of really exciting technology companies to this day. Perfect. Was well, there something special about PR for tech companies? Yeah, I think, you know, PR is... You know, it's very different, I think, to other disciplines like like marketing and advertising. 
I think the one thing that I've really enjoyed about PR is that it is at the heart of it about storytelling um, and really thinking about what are the right words and messages and narratives that can be used to convey, you know, what a brand stands for, not just what their product is and what the technology allows people to do, but what is the real identity of a company and how can you, you know, create the I guess, overall, you know, perception of a company to have a deeper impact and connection with their audiences. You know, if you think about things like just even your your mobile phone, you know, everyone has a clear idea of like Apple and like, you know, if you have an Apple phone, there's a perception around that brand compared to say a Samsung or a different kind of device. And I think at the heart of it, that is what PR is about. It's about being able to tell, you know, the, the story and the identity of a company, you know, how use that to influence the perception that people have about it. And then, you know, allow people to then, you know, have ways that they can also convey what they think of or what kind of thoughts that are evoked in their minds when they think about that company as well. And I think it's really important to, to, to create a brand that stands for something, right? Because if you just, if you just are the product that makes you easily exchangeable. So, you know, someone else can come in the market, undercut you from a pricing perspective or has one or two more features and all of a sudden you're no longer the number one choice, right? But if you build a strong brand, and I think Apple is a great example for that, right? Then the price probably or most likely becomes secondary, right? Because the features and, and, and everything else of the, of the brand of the products is what excites you. It's why you're buying the products. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I come from the world of technology communications. It's what I've done my entire career. And so, you know, when we're working with companies, especially when it's at the early stages, I think it's fairly common, you know, that a lot of times they're started by very smart engineering brains. And so they think about, you know, talking about their company in terms of what their product does. So their features or functions. But the reality is that when you sell a technology product, fundamentally, a lot of times there's not necessarily a lot that's different beyond that maybe being a bit stronger or a bit faster mm -hmm. uh, compared to their competitors. So it is really important to build a deeper connection across your audiences. And it's about, you know, how do you tell a story in a more cohesive or a more emotive or memorable way that does resonate with the people that you're targeting? And I think that right now the, the art of storytelling is also changing, that it's becoming a lot more personal and a lot more informal. And so today, you know, companies also have so many different channels, whether it's through earned media or social media or content on campaigns um, that do also offer a lot of opportunity, but also more breadth and depth to the way that they can also convey and amplify who they are. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that PR over the years has changed in, in what you have available to to deliver that message, to, to build that aura, that, that brand message for a company. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think even a decade ago or so, there when, when I moved here, I think that there was still the perception that, you know, PR is 
pretty much synonymous to media relations. I mean, I've always had the perception that that hasn't been the case. Media relations is just one vehicle, yeah. in my mind, of getting the story out there where, you know, you may have, you know, something to share, whether it's news, whether there's, a, uh, an, uh, I guess, a point of view on a, a topic, hot topic or trend that you want to be speaking to, say, a journalist about and be able to get, say, a story um, in a publication um, where you're quoted within that kind of story. But yeah, I think especially with, you know, the rise of, you know, social media over the years, you know, for example, a lot of execs are on there. I mean, sites like LinkedIn for us as a, a company that works with a lot of B2B technology brands. I mean, there's an auto- immediate kind of network there. And so, you know, there's so many different channels that, you know, companies are are using and, and should be really maximizing as a way to, you know, be highly visible and advance the reputation. And ultimately, the ways that they're thinking about how to tell that strategically, I mean, you're putting your brand out there and ultimately, you know, to your audiences that then need to, you know, absorb that and come away with a clear perspective on what your brand stands for as well. Yeah. Lisa, can you provide an example of where a company has effectively conducted storytelling? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I work with a lot of more uh, B2B technology companies, um, you know, also some consumer based, but I'll probably give you examples of companies that are probably fairly accessible to, to people when they first hear it. Now, one of the companies that I actually really like is Chobani. Um, you know, it's a great consumer brand. Um, the founder himself, he's got an incredible story. I think, you know, he, his family owned a small dairy farm in Turkey, came to the U.S., he learned English. And, you know, over the years, he ended up buying, I think, like a, an, an abandoned yogurt factory up in upstate New York. But now they've got 20% of the U.S. yogurt market. Um, you know, and if you think about it, it's like tubs of yogurt, right? So there's it's a very, you know, it's a commodity and a hugely competitive market, but they have been very clear about what their brand is about and their values. There's a strong emphasis that Chopani has built from the very onset about they're providing better food beyond their product and doing things like being very clear that they're not going to be using any GMO ingredients to doing things like supporting refugees through employment. And so there is a lot more to the story than just you know selling tubs of yogurt. There's little narratives as well written on, on when you buy their product. I guess closer to home on the tech side are you know they've got aspects of tech is you know Airbnb. I think there's been a lot of literature about their brand or even their rebrand, um, and they've focused on again it's you know having renting a space when you're in a new city. That's at the core, what they do, but they've really focused in the last few years on capturing the idea of like belonging or belong anywhere. And so it's to them uh, amplifying the idea of, you know, how they're cultivating a global community that goes beyond needing to book a maybe cost-effective space whenever you travel to a new location. So does storytelling apply to companies of all stages and sizes? So, for example, early stage startup, even global multinational campaigns, uh, companies? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think from my perspective, you know, companies are created every day because they've identified an opportunity to exist, right? So it's you know, the people behind them haven't only come up with the idea, but They also have values and perspectives. Everyone does. Uh, And so even if a company is very new, 
there's always an opportunity from the very beginning to start to develop those messages. And so, you know, as a company evolves, of course, their stories are going to evolve and shift too, right? So over time, they may grow into new markets or they may pivot or expand into new industries. They may acquire companies or they may offer more capabilities. And so, you know, as all of the things shift both on the business side internally, as well as what's happening in their respective spaces, um, I think so does the breadth and the depth of the stories that that they can tell and, you know, what exactly are the trends and issues that they can attach themselves to as well. Mm -hmm. Is there a different approach required when you when you work with a early stage company compared to a more mature multinational company, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways there there are still the fundamentals that you've always got to apply, right? So when you think about what that fundamentally is when it comes to messaging, you know, it's it's very much, you know, being very clear about who you are, what you do, how you're different, you know, what challenges you're solving for, what benefits you deliver, you know, why people want to buy from you, why you exist. And also, you know, what is your brand mission, your purpose and vision and values? Like they're all very core questions, which can um, sound pretty straightforward. Um, but it's interesting because sometimes I've done these, conducted these sessions with senior execs within a company and, <laughs> you know, they can, can have very animated conversations at times because people get really passionate, even down to word choice yeah. about describing their brand. And it's sometimes really interesting to see very divergent perspectives um, from dif different people within the organization that we've obviously, you know, that's why we're all probably brought in to mm -hmm. help gain alignment and provide that outside perspective on what actually makes sense. Um, so, you know, those fundamentals are still very much going to be the same, whether you're early in, in the stage of your company or whether that you've you know matured quite a bit. Um, but I think it could be over time. You know, I think sometimes there's there's a little bit of a nuance when you are at the, I guess, the brand building stage mm -hmm. and there isn't that profile, there isn't that awareness there to when, you know, I've worked with companies like Intel was one of my clients for many years and they've been around for a very long time time. And so it's less about maybe building the brand, but more about how to evolve it or how to maintain mm -hmm. the reputation of the company. And so, you know, maybe more, I guess, assessing what still rings true to a company and how else you may need to shift it because the company naturally has also changed over time. Mm -hmm. Now, you obviously are using channels to communicate the story of a brand and, and building that who the brand stands for. But who within an organization needs to partake, take part in, in, in telling the story and in kind of spreading it out there and making sure that it is one story and that, that you know, everyone receives the same message? Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, absolutely, the senior executive team need to really bought in, be bought into that, right? So... You know, typically for us, we are, you know, can be working with the CEO, you know, the, the C-suite, um, you know, the co-founders, you know, if there's a CMO or, you know, head of marketing in some capacity, that is, they are very core to being part of that process to, you know, align on what those messages and what those narratives should be. And then, you know, I think it's also really important that 
it's authentic at the end of the day. There's a huge emphasis and I think a deep awareness now about how important brands are, that they're not just paying lip service out there um, and also for their, their employees, right? And so, you know, I talk a lot about messaging and, you know, some of the channels externally, but it's also got to be something that people feel internally as well. You know, the biggest champions or advocates for a company are, are their own employees. And so people have, you know, really got to feel that if a company is saying that, I don't know, that we, you know, embrace innovation or that we are, you know, very, um, you know, focus on providing an equitable opportunity for, for people that that rings through across the board, because if not, that really doesn't exist and you don't have the proof points to back that up, or you're not doing the things that match up to those words, then people will call you out for it mm-hmm. very quickly. Um, whether those are your employees or other stakeholders to the business. So, um, while there is a core team that can align on what those messages are and those narratives, you know, it's got to then be cascaded so that everyone can really all rally around it. And that is effective way of having that brand move forward. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, if a company hasn't embarked on storytelling so far, what would be a good place to start? Yeah, I mean, I think... There's some fundamentals, like I said, you know, in in creating those kind of messages. So, uh, you know, like the mission, the purpose, the visions, the values. Um, But if they haven't, I mean, I think that's the first place, creating a clear kind of architecture or framework for, you know, what are naturally going to be the 10 or so um, primary questions that you would think of asking if you've never heard of a brand before. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing that you've got to get right. Um, I guess the second piece of that is then starting to think about the types of stories that then it wants to tell to make an impact. So if you've got that kind of solid framework, you know, I think that, I gravitate. We work with companies that will then also partner with us and they trust us to identify the relevant stories. But like it goes beyond that. Like what are the issues and trends that are pertinent to your business? So you've got a unique point of view on that particular topic. So I guess as an example for us, we've worked for many years with a company that's in the the technology hiring space. And right now there's a lot of stories that are happening here, everything from volatility and hiring, because there's a lot of layoffs happening right now as the market slowing down in tech um, to, you know, a number of states in the country instituting salary transparency laws or questions about AI and what that will mean to the future of work and the future of jobs. And so, we know that these are topics that are prominent, not only for our client and that company, but are also front and center for their own customers and partners. And so if you haven't, you know, embarked on the storytelling before beyond coming coming up with the, the core kind of messages and the types of words that you want to convey, it's also about what are the important topics that are at the forefront of the the people that you're looking to target or get in front of, and how can you, I guess, be one step ahead in having clear perspectives or data or takeaways that can help to move these stories forward um, so that you can also be seen as, a, as an authority or a resource on, on having a, you know, on th- these such topics. How important is it to look at your competitors? Because if, you, if you're trying to uh, create a story, create a brand, you want to make sure that you don't copy what is already out there, right? So, so how important is it to make sure that you understand your landscape, that you understand your competitors, how they display each other, and, and, and how you can differentiate yourself from them? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is important, <laughs> absolutely, to have a clear sense of what your competitors are saying, you know, and, and I think having a clear idea, a picture of well, what do they stand for? What are they talking about? How are they perceived? Where are they getting covered? Where is the strongest kind of engagement? And, and that way, you know, having, I think, a clear understanding of where you sit within your ecosystem allows you to then figure out where, what is the white space, right? If everyone in my, you know, space is talking about X topic and they're all going in that direction, then clearly you don't want to be just adding, you know, more to that noise. I mean, you'll probably won't be very prominent and having a, you know, getting much, much mind share or getting much visibility. I think the companies I've just mentioned earlier that have got, you know, very strong perceptions of having a very strong brand are ones that have been very vocal or taken a clear stance in something so that people, whether they agree with it or not, you know, people associate that brand for having a very clear perspective and, you know, that, that ultimately allows people to know what they what what they mean and you know gives people a sense of a, a more emotive connection to that brand as well yeah now when a company has decided okay that's kind of what i want to do I, I need to kind of shape my brand find stories that really allow me to connect with my target audience with the with the people that i'm interested in talking to how can they identify stories that they can tell to make an impact yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, it's an internal and external piece. And I say that because when I think about the partnership that we have with, with our clients, it's very much a two-way street. So I think of what our role is on the agency side as being the outside in. Where we can provide values, I almost say that we're like the eyes and ears for the companies that we work with, the executives and the brands themselves, where you know we can do some outside research. We can read about you know, what's being written by analysts, by media on social media. You know, We can see where the trend lines are of the conversation. We've got some analytics that we can apply to. You know, what topics are resonating or what are the main stories of the day? And so those are things that we can feed into a client. You know, I'll, I'll give you a big a topic right now that's obviously getting a lot of traction is around AI, right? And so first it was like, chat GPT is this thing in November and suddenly it's become the most widely popular, you know, consumer application. And now, you know, we're seeing more stories about, okay, now that this is popular, this is how people are using it. And now we're getting questions about, you know, how, how do we regulate it? You know, what is the next step? What impact will it have? And so there tends to be kind of an arc to stories whenever there's a big issue and trend. And so for us, our job has been, you know, to be able to get a sense of how can we get a, in front of those kind, those kind of story arcs so that we can provide a perspective and maybe something that is yet to be talked about that people will ultimately want to know and, and, you know, care to read and learn more about, right? So that's kind of coming from the outside in. But the other piece is, you know, my, my team and I are not experts in the business per se, but we're experts in the storytelling side. 
but the clients themselves are experts in their own business. You know, they're on the front foot every day, talking to customers, talking to prospects, thinking about how to fine tune their product, you know, how it can be superior to say to their competitors. And so, you know, having that kind of intel as well is where we can meet in the middle and say, well, what are you, you know, what are, you, what are your customers saying? What are they most fearful about? Where do they feel that they could get left behind if they weren't working with you? And so those kind of insights allow us then to identify, okay, what are the stories, right? If we're saying, look, the question right now is about AI and how to regulate it and knowing that this is something that is going to ultimately change everyone's lives because that's where things are going to be headed. You know, mm -hmm. where can we apply our own perspective on that topic so that we've got something meaningful to say that people will also want to know about. So I think, you know, being a very, I guess, prescriptive and very, you know, aware of how stories evolve is also is a, a clear strategy to think creatively and clearly about how to also be part of that evolving arc. Yeah. yeah. Now, can companies storytelling change over time or should they change over time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't believe that any company is static. <laughs> so just with the, um, the AI example that I gave you, that's a clear, you know, that's a clear example of how there is the need to have a storytelling or have a story evolve over time because that's one that's quickly evolved in a matter of months, right? As a, another probably example, when you mentioned that, I think of you know, companies like Google. <laughs> Back in the day, they had like, don't be evil, right? <laughs> and that was something that people thought and associated with Google. Clearly, they've moved away from that. <laughs> and so that's also been covered quite a bit. But certainly, I think there are still in my opinion, you know, are perceived as a company that embraces a culture of innovation where people shouldn't be afraid to fail. Um, mm -hmm. And so they have done, I think, a, a great job over time of probably, you know, really chipping away at that kind of message um, and being known for a company that, that does that because clearly you've got to be a very um, innovative culture to get to where they are today and being so omnipresent and so, such a huge um, company all around the world. Now, the last, the last, the last question I have, um, which, which is something that we, from an, from an advertising perspective, quite often are being asked by clients is like, how can what we're doing be measured? What's, how can the impact be measured? How can the impact of story telling efforts be measured so that the client knows, well, this was successful or we're heading in the right direction. We should do more of this or mm, it's not really working well. We should maybe pivot and, and move in another direction. Yeah. So I think there's a mixture of qualitative and quantitative approaches um, that companies can use to understand the impact of, of storytelling on their brand and, you know, just really how, to understand the, the brand's profile and, and reputation and, and leadership, what that kind of impact has been through their, their marketing and their communications efforts. I think the first one for me is just naturally coming from the PR side is in looking at things like media relations. So, you know, the quantity and the quality of coverage, um, you know, has it been positive in tone as well? And, you know, have the messages and narratives that you're looking to convey and amplify 
been incorporated in, in an article and also have, have reporters wanted to write about it, right? Have mm-hmm. they found it interesting because they think that their, their readers will also find it an interesting story. That's the first way. Um, another way is to also look at just, you know, brand awareness, you know, whether that's organic kind of mentions, you know, not ones that you're driving on, on sites like on social media, you know, website traffic increases. You know, I think sometimes I'll anecdotally say if, if you have never encountered a company or have heard of it before, you know, the first thing that you're typically going to do is do a search for it online. So, you know, how is you, how are you seeing what comes up um, in terms of authoritative kind of links and what kind of literature is, is showing up as well about your brand? Are you seeing that traffic also uh, increase over a, a period of time as you're investing in these kind of initiatives? Um, audience engagement, you know, I think you, you aren't necessarily the owner of your brand. Your brand is something that other people, you know, under, understand and absorb and come to their own kind of terms and in, in thinking around. So, you know, when you look at your own kind of social media platforms, like are people, you know, looking at, looking at your analytics there, um, your own media channel, you know, what, how much time are people are spending on your web pages? You know, what are your kind of click through rates too? Mm -hmm. And then also things like surveys, I think on the qualitative side, you know, if there's an opportunity, um, having a chance to connect with customers or with any kind of other focus groups to get input, like what is the perception of, of, what they think of you as a company, you know, what words they would you describe you? Would they recommend you as well to others? You know, how does it affect their own kind of purchasing decisions and those that are in their own kind of network? And then I guess the last piece is also around sort of sales and conversion. So if there's any ways that a brand can attribute this back to any kind of content or campaigns um, that have affected, you know, customer behavior or acquisition, um, those are other, that's another aspect to also think about and see how much you can really measure that. Um, but that hopefully gives a, a, you know, a slew of a few different um, levers to consider and understanding the impact both on the quantitative and the qualitative side. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on the Performance About Podcast and sharing your knowledge on the importance of strategic and steady storytelling. Now, if people want to find out more about you, about Gertrude, uh PR, how can they get in touch? Yeah. Um, so our website is gravitatepr.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So we've got our LinkedIn page and I've also, you can look me up, Lisette Paras. Um, and you can also email me at Lisette at gravitatepr.com. Perfect. As always, we're leaving that information in the show notes. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance About Podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.